Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator. And in this podcast, we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. Howdy and happy Thursday. Today is Thursday, April 28th, 2022. And today the moon is in Aries. So I'm looking forward to sit with our topic of astrologically informed self-care for all those moon and Aries folks. If you've been listening, you've got the gist of the pattern. I've been opening each episode with a short reflection on the current sky weather. And today is a good day to open your Piscean arms wide to embrace the Venus and Neptune conjunction at 24 degrees Pisces which is also closely conjunct Jupiter at 27 degrees Pisces. So take a long breath or even a pause in this potential juice, deep water, or confusion of this conjunction. Venus in our natal charts I read as connected with our desires, what we desire. It can also be looked at as the planet signaling relatedness or relationships. And still another way to hold Venus is in its connection with beauty and aesthetics, what we value and find of worth. Venus in Pisces desires this kind of merging or connective or divine love feeling or being washed in the mystery. For Venus in Pisces, I sometimes use the word total immersion or desiring immersive experience. Think of how art, music, painting, swimming, psychedelics, falling into love, or trance are all different kinds of immersive experiences. And what are some others you can think of, just right off the top of your head? Love, spirituality, artistic immersion, ecstasy, dancing, and plant medicines are all ways to experience immersions. When Venus joins Neptune and Jupiter and Pisces, notice what house Pisces occupies in your chart. And notice what desires around immersive experiences you might have with these topics. For some, this may feel like a divinely inspired idea or good vibes at work or in a creative process, or maybe you have a wonderfully immersive or inspiring conversation. On the other hand, Neptune is also about illusions and delusions. So not all immersive experiences are positive. This could also look like a wonderful new idea or romance walking in, too good to be true. And sometimes when we have this kind of too good to be true kind of vibe, it ends up being too good to be true. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of you are all in feelings of confusion or just overwhelming wonder if what you've just experienced or what you're experiencing right now is of truth or of illusion. If you are spiritually inclined, you might like to use the time around this day to meditate or pray or connect to a larger sense of I am and a universal consciousness. But once again, of course, this could also mark a time for some of us that feel excessive and full of sensual indulgence. So with Jupiter, Venus, and Neptune in Pisces, an old-fashioned ecstatic dance isn't out of the picture but an old-fashioned night on the town isn't either. 
And this is also a time that's leading up to Saturday's solar eclipse in Taurus. So there's a lot going on right now. I love that today amidst all the dreamy, illusory, immersive qualities of the planets in Pisces, the moon moves into Aries, giving a zesty, quick, and catalyzing bump to some of the nebulous Neptunian vibes. So I want to be real and upfront. Sometimes Neptune is a happy place for people to be, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's chaotic and confusing, and it really depends on what's going on in our natal charts and how much experience we have with Neptune to how we might be writing this time. In our natal charts, the moon is one place we can look in order to develop, sustain, and nourish ourselves, especially when it comes to feeling emotionally nourished. As a psychological astrologer, I look to the moon in natal charts as indicating a few things about our psychological makeup. For an in-depth talk about how I interpret the moon and the topic of emotional nourishment, you can head back and have a listen to episodes 27 and 28 of this podcast. Just to review it a bit here and build on our learning of the moon, the moon sign and placement can indicate our emotional processing style. Things like if we tend to take and process emotions on the spot quickly, or if we need space to think things through or feel things through. Some of us process analytically by talking with others, and some of us are only able to process emotions in a private, secure place. With the moon in Aries, you're likely to be both quicker to express emotions, react, and act, and also to let go of emotions. I like to think of the cardinal fire sign of Aries to be like a match, quick to light and fire up, initiate and feel, but also quick to burn and let things go and move on. Sometimes for those of us who have Aries placements, it's not always as obvious to us of how quick that we're actually moving or how quick we process until we're next to someone who has a slower, more deliberate, or longer-lasting emotional process style. It's important to name every moon or emotional processing style as gifts and challenges. Another thing to think about the moon in Aries and how it indicates things in our natal charts, the way I read it, is a moon in Aries is also about how we perceive the mother figure. Well, any moon in a chart is about how we perceive our mother figure or primary care person. It's really good to pause here and take in this idea that our charts can show us how we may perceive someone. But we must also ask, was that person really like that? Or is it my perception of them that made them seem as if they were like that? When it comes to an Aries moon, it is possible that the primary care person was perceived as being independent, spirited, potentially competitive, vigorous or combative, quick-tempered, spicy, naive or childlike, catalyzing, impulsive, initiating, able to do a lot, or complete impossible tasks and maybe in a quick way. So before we continue, just take a moment. Does any of that ring true for you about your perception of your primary care person or your mother figure?
I feel it's important to make mention here that some of us did not know or did not have a mother figure. And for those of us in this situation, when contemplating your primary care person, think back to the person who was primarily responsible for feeding you and providing for your early nurturance and nourishment before the ages of two or three. For those of us who are breastfed, it would be this person. And remember, we have body memories and somatic memories that often go back to that time before three years old. So sometimes we have to access this through our body or through our intuition because our minds, our cognitive memories for a lot of us begin around three or even later. So it's important to take some time around reflecting on who the early imprints of our nourishment were. And it can be helpful if you have someone in your life, a, a therapist, or you're doing a, a study of yoga or something in your in your body, having a body work, that you might be able to access some of this information through your body, through body work. When we really take the time to explore early imprints of nourishment, we go into our life later to develop, to be able to cultivate and review these stories to see what we want to keep and what we want to update. And this may be a challenge for some of us to think about, but if you can and you have the space, time, and resources, it's worth the reflection. So who were or who was the person or folks in your early life that taught you about basic nourishment and nurturance? This may be helpful, or maybe you had some people that weren't so helpful in offering this storyline. I think it can be of value to spend time remembering what our early selves learned about nourishment and how to nourish ourselves because later on, if we are no longer thinking about nourishment in terms of food only, our first experiences of being satiated and how we were satiated still inform this idea of how we nourish and sustain ourselves. And it's not just through food. But even deeper, going beneath all of this social learning, we actually, you know, or I actually believe that deep down, we have an innate intelligence or even a blueprint in ourselves, in our somatic experience that gives us an inherent connection and ability with our wisdom to connect with our cellular intelligence and self-nourishment cycle. So sometimes by remembering what we've been taught, actually remembering it in order to notice it and let it go and reconnect with our own innate cellular intelligence. So even though we all grow within a body to be born and we were raised by primary care people, we also do have inherent intelligence by sifting through our habits and learned stories. And then consulting our charts and other resources we can reconnect with our personal nourishing wisdom. It's in us, even if we experienced some embodied obstacles along the way. In regards to a moon in Aries and what it feels nourished by and in is ultimately to have something, someone, a cause or a crusade to fight or advocate for. Whether this is a sense of fighting or championing a cause or an idea, or quite literally as a firefighter or a child advocate, or being the champion of a cause or a belief system with you. It's something that a moon in Aries feels nourished by, by being able to dedicate your whole self or vitality 
to something you can crusade for, believe in, or champion. A moon in Aries is nourished by having a sense of mission or accepting challenges. A moon in Aries, while being nourished by a cause or crusade or mission or task, is also nourished by having a wide enough structure in which to be useful without being destructive or too contained or over-contained. Since Aries is a cardinal fire sign, it can be quick to get started, but it can also be quick to burn out. So the way we learn how to shepherd or gently guide and contain the vitality of an Aries moon can be nourishing to its process, and it really likes to be known and seen for what it is. I use the word shepherding with Aries as I think it is a kind of energy that needs to be tended towards and watched and guided so that it doesn't overwhelm itself or like a flock of sheep doesn't wander into its own death by just wandering off the edge of a cliff or destroy itself out of its own naivety. So there's not a maliciousness to it here. It just has a lot of vitality and some shepherding or stewardship or guidance can be really helpful to anything that we have in Aries, any placement. An Aries moon may feel nourished by being able to express itself instantaneously or by having outlets of creative, spontaneous expression where its quick-moving gifts can be used to a creative end. Fire by its nature is expressive and it wants a place to burn and be seen to be useful. Having avenues of expression or channels where a quick-moving Aries moon can have an outlet allows this vital energy expression without diminishment. If you have other Aries placements, you may even consider participating in sports or dance or martial arts to provide a physical container for some of your bright, unbridled, initiating energy. An Aries moon can be nourished by having places of play, in games or gaming, even playful banter with children or folks of a younger generation. You might look out and just consider the folks that you're relating with and see if there's anyone you have this sense of playing or jockeying with. So jockeying is kind of a when you do like a banter back and forth. It has a little bit of a competitive edge to it, but it's all in fun and games. So having healthy contact with folks who already have contact with their inner child can also be really nourishing. Notice places where your Aries moon can shine. But be mindful and aware that others will have varying responses to the way an Aries moon can bring flashes of emotional insight, mood changes, quick temper, or being fast to fury. By having outlets, company, and places where you're advocating, expression, quick and sometimes challenging Aries moon can shine and be valued, shepherded, and used, can help overall balance so as not to have its energy be repressed or suppressed. If you have an Aries moon, what else can you think of in regards to emotional nourishment, of how to feed that moon, of how to feel sustained? What feels satisfying to you? Do you feel connected to something you can champion, fight for, crusade for, or advocate for? So you might have some good ideas already, but if you're still thinking on just this practicality of what is emotional nourishment, and if I have an Aries moon, what can I do to actually feed it or to 
use astrology to help my daily rhythms of self-care or my monthly rhythms of self-care. You might have already got some ideas as we were talking about that playful, competitive, sort of gaming kind of spirit. And I want to encourage people who are looking for, you know, things to put in their self-care kit to give some of these things a try if they speak to you. So this is something that's an offering. Feel free to take it and try it out. But, you know, you are the expert on yourself, so you may not resonate with some of these. If you are a adventuresome spirit and if you've got an Aries moon, you might be up for the challenge. You might try something that... um that brings a little challenge for you. So something that you haven't done before or something that you can look out to in your life and say, oh, that's 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 a leading edge for me or that's the edge of my comfort zone. And everyone will be different with that. So consider looking out and seeing if you could participate in something that would feel gently challenging for you, that that elevates or peaks that, that competitive or vital edge that you can participate in. Some other ideas here is that if you're physically able and it would feel enjoyable to you, consider partaking in exercise or a group class or a sport. And again, if you want to incorporate this idea of the next challenge for yourself, so maybe you up your game a little bit, or if you always do things solo, maybe you try a group class or maybe you join a sport. So you're trying something that that gives you a little bit of an edge or something that is new for you that may have an element of competition. Or you might consider attending a game night or just attending a game and notice what it feels like to be in a group setting where you can be in, you know, a team rooting for one team against the other. You can also just have a game night where you're bringing people in to play and joyfully kind of jockey or compete against each other. So you're able to play here. Another way to approach self-care from an Aries moon is to spend a little time expressing yourself through a trusted person, if that feels good to you, um, you might try talking to them about what you really care about. So allow your fire to be expressed. What do you care about? What do you feel that you want to advocate towards? If you were going to go on a crusade or a mission, what, what would you advocate? What would you really want to do? And use your voice to express this with someone who is willing to listen, a friend or somebody that you work with, a therapist, a mentor, um, and just express that, really let it go. Another way to work with the expressive vitality inherent in an Aries placement or Aries moon is to consider places where you can speak or perform. So if you're up for the challenge, stand-up comedy, a local writer's group, a place that you can do uh, stand-up comedy where you're working with doing things on the spot. So this would be um, sort of impromptu performance. You might even consider a speech club or something smaller like joining a sharing circle at a local group, spiritual group, um, or even start one yourself where you just get around and talk about what's truly happening for you, what's coming up in your life. These are all ways that you can use that expressive vitality and create in the moment and express yourself. So finally, if you have an Aries moon, you may like to care for it by remembering this idea of shepherding and how you would help something have a useful boundary, not squelching the intensity or the vitality of that moon, especially if you find yourself, you know, reacting or being really strong with your emotions. We can sometimes have an Aries moon and we look at it as something that 
you know, this unbridled vital energy is something to be contained or put down. And we certainly have a lot of messages about that, you know, depending on what culture we're living in. And um, oftentimes there, there are gendered projections about um, what it is like to be a person of strong emotion or having these strong urges. So be aware of the self-talk that you're doing around your strong urges and consider adopting this idea of shepherding or guidance. So how would you have an Aries moon? Give it a useful boundary, but not squelch or tamp it down. Um, by tamping a strong energy down, it often bottles it up and it leads to things that explode later. Self-care for an Aries moon may look at keeping an important life-generating fire fed. So look at that as important and vital. How would you feed that fire and keep it burning? So if you think of a small fire, you can think of it in this way that in order to keep it burning, it must have space to breathe. There must be air in there. It must have kindling. It must be constantly fed and have something to burn and also something shepherding it or stewarding it. So I'd encourage you to reach into your world and notice what is helpful fuel for you. And also notice, do you have the space to allow it to burn? And do you have that space in yourself to become a guide, to become a shepherd for that fire? Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.